Hello, dear friends. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Amen. We have a message to bring you from the Word of God today. And because it's coming from the Word of God, uh, it is coming not only from the mouth of God, it is coming from the heart of God. So there's an anointing here today upon the Word. There's anointing upon me because I have been called and anointed and appointed to preach and teach the Word of God. But there's also, if you have a heart for truth today, there is anointing on you to hear the Word of God. Hallelujah. And because of the anointing, because of the activity of the Holy Spirit, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Hallelujah. God is involved in this 100%. He watches over his Word to perform it. Praise God. Well, it's time to get into our teaching on this particular subject, the God who is light. The God who is light. I want to make a statement as we begin our study. The battle between light and darkness, between God and Satan and his minions, God and his angels, it's already raging upon planet earth. And Satan's cohorts are called the rulers of the darkness of this world in the book of Ephesians. And we who are saved, we who are Christians today, are followers of the God who is light. The God who therefore overrules the prince of darkness. So we're followers of the God who is light in a sin-darkened world. I want to read from the Old Testament before we move to the New Testament uh, very quickly. This just comes to mind, and I want to turn to it very quickly. Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2 and 3. It says, Arise, and the heading here in my Bible says, The Future Glory of Zion. Now, before we exempt ourselves from this prophecy of how God is going to keep Israel, save Israel, amen, in the, in the last of the last days, amen, there's going to be a revival, there's going to be Jewish evangelists uh, that are preaching the gospel all over the world before Jesus returns to rule and reign. I'm not talking about the rapture of the church, the catching away, I'm not talking about the secret coming, I'm talking about the second coming. But listen to what this prophecy says. If for the future glory of Zion, arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Hallelujah. Now that we've kind of set a stage for this this darkened world that Satan and the rulers of 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 the darkness of this world are so entrenched in and influencing, uh, there's a reason, friend, that the Shekinah or glory of God shines forth from God's manifest presence. 
And it's not because God is love. That's about his character of love and his his person, though. We're going to talk about his person, but rather because God is light. Oh, he is love as well. But the reason his love is so pure and so powerful is because it emanates from his absolute perfection, holiness, and truth. If we're to truly overcome the prince of darkness, we must commit ourselves to following the God who is light. Look at 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. All. Praise God. Love is something that God has because He is light and He manifests that to us. But before God is love, we need to understand God is light. One paraphrase reads, and I like it God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in Him. So our faith. Rest on God's person, not His power alone. Not just on what He can do, but who He is. There is no darkness in Him. He doesn't lie because He chooses not to lie, but because He cannot lie, because there's no darkness in Him. That's why His Word is such an anchor Sure and steadfast for our soul. James 1 and verse 17. Listen to it carefully. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, (laughs) neither a shadow of turning. I love this translation. It said, From the Father of all that gives light in the shining of. You see, God doesn't change, dear friend, and He cannot lie. He is absolutely truthful and absolutely faithful. Hallelujah. Amen. Before the scriptures declare that God is love in chapter 4 of John's epistle, John takes great effort to show us first and foremost, God is light. He said, this is the message we've heard from Jesus to proclaim to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Now, let's get some history here and why this statement was declared so forcefully and so so powerfully in the Word of God. At the time of John's writing, the Roman pantheon had many examples of this slogan. Saul, the son of Jupiter, and Latona was the sun god, while his twin Diana was the goddess of the moon. Both were hailed as gods of light. Not least, the emperor of Rome himself was deemed a god and worshipped as the presence of divine light on earth. Let let me stop here and, and say something to you. The scriptures declare that it's no marvel if Satan himself 
be transformed as an angel of light. Even though he's the prince of darkness, he, he presents himself as the angel of light. But if he, even if an angel brings another gospel, let him be anathema, let him be accursed. You see, the true light has no, no deception in it, nothing but pure, powerful, darkness-piercing truth. Let me go on with this uh, right here. Listen, Gnostics, they were called, early Christian heretics who denied the goodness of creation, got in on this too, constantly referring to the human soul as light, that it came from light and it must return to the light. All of these mistook the created light for God, and so they worshipped it. Instead of him, like Paul declared of him, that they worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. But John asserted that the person, God, is light. And John knew full well the challenge crouched in that simple phrase, speaking of the God of Israel as the God who is light. And it's pregnant with Old Testament symbolism. Light was a common symbol for Jehovah, chosen by God himself. Listen to Psalm 104, 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covers thyself with light as a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. You see, friend, God's awesome power flows from His awesome, holy person. The love and power we need from our God flow from His purity and His perfection. Listen to 1 Timothy six thirteen through 16 It says, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, (laughs) hallelujah, the King of kings and Lord of lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom shall be honor and power everlasting. Hallelujah. Amen. How absolutely incredible it is that we as new covenant believers can come into the presence of the God who is light, light so pure and powerful that no man can approach him. Hallelujah. And yet the sanctifying power of the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us so perfectly that we as mortal human beings can approach and invited to come into the presence of this God who dwells in unapproachable light. 
I want to I want you to see how this how Moses reacted and how God responded to Moses in Exodus 33:18 through 23 remembering this is unapproachable light and the fact that we as mortal human beings can come into this kind of presence it still blows me away to this day I will never ever Ever get over the fact that we are invited to come into the presence and God's presence has come to indwell you and me as a believer. Listen to, to Exodus 33:18 through 23. And he said, I beseech thee, this is Moses speaking to God, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness See, again, we're talking about the purity of his person, not just the power that flowed from him. And he said, God speaking to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and show my mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cleft in the rock, and cover thee with my hand. And while I pass by, see, he's not just in the in the this cleft of the rock. God said, I will have to supernaturally shield you with my hand until I pass by. And I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts, <laughs> but my face shall not be seen. You see, friend, mortal men could not look at God full on without being shielded from the pure light that emanates from the purity of his person, that attends God's very presence. Even angels who minister in his presence must have a covering. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, listen to it. It said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Now he didn't see his face. He, he saw this light. He saw this glory in the temple. Listen to it. He said, he said it had to be the Lord, but he was high and he was lifted up. His train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. So these wings were not just for him to move with, but to be covered with. Just two of them were to move with. The other four was to cover face and feet. Listen, this is a celestial, supernatural being. And even angels had to have a covering in the presence of God's glory. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, ho this is why, this is why, listen carefully, he's not just holy, he's not just holy, holy, he is holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. 
and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with, as he described it, smoke. Really what it was, was this Shekinah, as it's called, this glory that emanates from the presence of God. When Saul of Tarsus encountered Jesus after the resurrection, he who did not believe and persecuted those who did ran into, <laughs> smack into, the God of light. Listen to Acts 22, verse 6 through 10. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuteth. And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake unto me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things that are appointed of thee. One scholar translates this scripture this way, A blinding light blazed out of the skies. Hallelujah. Amen. And Jesus spoke to him out of that blinding light, that same glory that angels were shielding their face and feet from, now is on the road to Damascus manifesting the 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 manifesting the the resurrected glorified Christ, hallelujah, <laughs> to, to this, this man who had, did not believe and he was blinded by this light. His eyes were immediately seared and blinded by the brightness of this light. <laughs> Friend of mine, I want you to know that we are in a raging battle against the Prince of Darkness. And the people of this world are covered by that darkness. Describing the condition of the lost and our redemption, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3-6, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. No man could see God and live. But listen, in the face of Jesus, as we understand the perfect character and person of God, as Jesus shows the Father to us, <laughs> amen, cloaked with flesh, this glory was able to be seen. You know, the Bible said we beheld His glory. We beheld what angels couldn't see in the face of Jesus, in the 
person of Jesus, in the, in the character of Jesus. And that's why Jesus said when they said, His disciples, show us the Father. He said, have you been with me this long and you haven't seen the Father? When you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Praise God. Paul admonishes us not only to pursue the light, but to reprove the darkness in Ephesians 5, 7 through 14. It said, be, ye, be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were once darkness, but now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is well-pleasing to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather even reprove them. For the things which are done by them in secret is a shame even to speak of, but all things when they are reproved are made manifest by the light." For everything that is made manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, arise from the dead. Remember Isaiah 60? Arise and shine, (laughs) for thy light has come. And Christ shall shine upon thee, or shall give thee light. The darkness is described in Scripture as not just the opposite of light, but the absence of light. I want to say that again. The darkness as described here in Scripture is not just the opposite of light, but the absolute, complete absence of light. You know, there's a Scripture that said, when the unclean spirit goeth out of a man, he he walks then, he has to live in murky Darkness. He has to live in murky darkness, as the scriptures describe it in the Greek. Murky darkness in a complete absence of light. I went to a cave in Kentucky, which is my hometown where I was born. I, I was raised here, reared here, and raised here, but I was born in Middlesboro, Kentucky. Not far from Middlesboro is a cave called Cudjo's Cave. And as I went uh, as a young person, I didn't really get it like I got it when I was full grown. And, and when, when I went there as an adult and, and the guide is taking us through the cave and really it wasn't very modern at that time. They just had some 60 watt bulbs. It looked like at various places. <laughs> and that, and uh, he said, would you like to see what real darkness is? And, of course, we all kind of mumbled, yeah, because we knew he was going to do it anyway. And back deep into that cave, when he flipped off all sources of light, there was a darkness, dear friend, that you can feel. A darkness that feels like it it absolutely envelops you. Uh, it is what is described here. The darkness, as as described in Scripture, is not just the opposite of light, but the absence of light. 
I can see how someone would go mad uh, left in that kind of darkness. The Bible said, When an unclean spirit goeth out of a man, he walketh in dry places. This word dry literally connotates murky darkness, a darkness where there is no light. And because, a friend of mine, we we are in a sin darkened world, influenced by the rulers of that darkness. But when these rulers are disposed, they themselves are cast into this darkness. Oh, friend, I'm so glad to be a follower of the light. You know, the scripture teaches us to walk in the light as he is in the light. Hallelujah. Amen. To to reprove the works of darkness, to not open the door or give any place to the prince of darkness, because the lost are blinded in their minds by the God of this world. They feel at home in the dark without hope and without God in this present world. We must follow our Savior more closely than ever. We must walk in the light as He is in the light. For we are the children of the day, not the children of the darkness. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming soon, friends. Let's put on God's whole armor and fight the good fight of faith and declare Christ's victory. Look at Romans three eleven through 14. It said, And knowing the time that now it is... See, I'm, I'm still reverting back to Isaiah 60, the future glory of Zion. And our glory is included, praise God, because we are identified with and associated with Zion of old. Because we have been grafted in to the true vine. Praise God. Listen to verse 11 of Romans 13. And knowing that, knowing the time, that now it is time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Oh, I like that statement. Putting on the armor of light. This battle between light and darkness is raging. By the way, when that guy and that guide in that cave flipped off the lights, the darkness covered us. Oh, friend, it was scary. I couldn't wait. It seemed like forever, maybe 10 seconds. But when he flipped those lights on, the darkness couldn't stand that couldn't overwhelm 160-watt bulb. Hallelujah. Praise God. No matter how gross the darkness, Isaiah 60 said, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And it says unto those who are gods to arise and shine. This is the time. This is the hour. This is the, the appointed time. Arise and shine for thy light has come. Listen, put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now he's going to identify 
this armor of light, which is the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. Let us walk honestly. Verse 13 is in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness or in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. And what is the armor of light? Better, who is the armor of light? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is God's armor that we have access to. Hallelujah, that we might stand against the wiles of the devil, having done all to stand. Praise God. Oh, my, our time is gone. Friend of mine, we need this message today. We need to understand. We need to appreciate. And we need to appropriate all of the armament that's available to us. And it begins with a commitment to follow the God who is light. Praise God. Amen. Walking in the light in a sin-darkened world will cause us to become God's luminaries. When it says you're the light of the world, there see your good works. We're talking about what is talked about here. Amen. We're, we're talking about walking honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Amen. These are works of the flesh and we are, we are not, not bound to those works anymore. We are followers of the God who is light in a sin-darkened world. And men will see our good works. Oh, oh, there are our benevolent people and there are philanthropists and there are, are people who are, who are lost and blinded by sin and Satan who do many good things. This is not just a Christian thing. But when you walk honestly and not in rioting or drunkenness or chambering or wantonness, not in strife or envying, we become the light of the world because we are followers of light. Our lives contrast with the lives of those who sit in darkness. And we put on Jesus Christ, His character, His person, letting His mind become our mindset in a world that is darkened and bound and blinded by the devil. Friend of mine, I know today that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And I'm so glad to be walking in the light today. And I'm so glad to be able, by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, to challenge you, if you're a Christian today, to begin to reprove the works of darkness and begin to pursue the truth of God the person of Jesus, hallelujah, to seek His face and obtain His favor and become a light in the darkness of this world. Hallelujah. Amen. We do not blend with the world about us, but we stand in stark, distinct, direct contrast to it 
and men will see your good works and glorify your Father. They'll know there's a reality in this kingdom of light that we are following. Hallelujah. Praise God, for there's a King of light who is our sovereign and our Savior, who has shown us the Father, who we can look into His face, and we can come into the presence of this unapproachable light. Oh, what, what, what Christ has done for you and me should be seen by others that will know this is real. Hallelujah. Amen. And the devil has already lost the battle in the heavenlies, and he's about to lose it right here on planet Earth. Jesus is coming very, very soon. But believer, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, he will lose it over you, and he will lose it over me. Praise God, there's victory in Jesus, and we can become God's witnesses in this last closing hour. Oh, friend, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, I pray today, I know He's speaking to you. I know that God is calling you. I know that the light of the glory of the gospel is shining unto you. Don't run from Him. Run to Him and be saved. 